John 15, two through five, it says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you, abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. For you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Father, it tells us where we can find life. It tells us where we can find fulfillment. And it tells us, Jesus, where we can find you. Father, I pray in all I pray, Father, this morning for your word that would not return void. Father, what we know not, teach us. What we are not, make us. What we have not, give us. Amen. All right, which one? We're going to do this one. All right, we're going to do two, just so we can be double mic'd up, ready to go. You can sit down. Well, hey, look, if we've not had the pleasure of meeting yet, my name is Ryan Edwards. I'm the family pastor here at Iron City. Uh, Since joining staff here back in November and starting in December, we've welcomed our son Colt to our family, and we've been so grateful for all of your texts, for all of your phone calls, and your thoughtful gestures. Uh, We cannot tell you how much we feel loved by you and how thankful we are for you. I want to let you know, Mama and Colt are both doing great, and, and we greatly appreciate everything that you guys have done for us and making us feel loved and welcome. Well, this morning we're in our third week of our series called Never Alone. As we've explored the joy of connection, we've also seen that there's a connection that cannot be found anywhere else. A true connection that is fulfilling. For the last two weeks, Cody has preached to the idea of connecting with Christ and connecting with the family through John chapter 15. And this morning I will be continuing through John chapter 15 and through the idea of connection, but this morning through the the lens of connecting with co-laborers and other fruit bearers in our life. As we've been journeying through this series of Never Alone, we've been studying through the idea of how we're never alone in Christ. Isn't that good news? We are never alone in Christ and we're never alone in family. And this morning, we're gonna look how we are never alone with co-laborers or other fruit bearers. Maybe this morning, you've walked in here feeling alone. You feel like nobody sees you. Maybe you feel like nobody loves you. Maybe you feel like nobody cares about you. Maybe you feel like nobody even sees you. The good news of Jesus is that he promises us that we are never alone. As he promises us that, whenever we feel alone, oftentimes we feel alone at our weakest, right? 
We feel alone at our weakest moments. But friends, this morning, I wanna let you know that Jesus loves us at our weakest. Just like he loves us at our strongest, Jesus loves us at our weakest. As we dive into God's word this morning, no matter what's going on in your life, just rest in the truth that we are never alone. See, here in this passage of of John 15, this is one of the seven I am statements of Jesus. See, I believe these I am statements from Jesus are so crucial to our faith because Jesus is telling us who he is. And as a follower of Jesus, the more I understand who Jesus is, the more that I understand who I am in him. When we understand the identity of Jesus and the identity of God, we start to understand the identity in which he created us to be, the identity that he wants us to be in and to go in. See here, Jesus, this time, is talking directly to his disciples. He's not talking to a crowd in this instance. Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he's zoning in on the idea that as a follower of Jesus, as a follower of him, that we are truly never alone. As he promises his disciples that, he promises them so many things throughout scripture. But this morning, we have the joy of diving in to the promise of Jesus that we are never alone. See, there's some observations I have about this passage in John 15. And the first one is that you're expected to bear fruit. Whenever it comes to our our spiritual lives, whenever it comes to our personal lives, our, our business life, our work life, whatever it is, we always wanna know what the expectations are, right? Like for me, if I'm gonna do something, I wanna know what's expected of me because I'm kind of a perfectionist, right? And I wanna hit the mark, right? If somebody tells me to do something, I wanna know what's expected, how it should be done, because more than anything, I want to hit the mark. So we have expectations at work. Show up on time, right? Or don't take a two-hour lunch break. Or, you know, make sure you follow up with these people. We have expectations at home, how we expect uh, our kids to act and behave. Or wives, how your husband should act and behave, right? We have expectations of how clean the house should be. We have expectation for our yard, right? We have all these different expectations, but one place that we can easily neglect expectations is our spiritual life. It's become really easy to neglect expectations in our spiritual life, especially when it comes to bearing fruit. See, we're expected to bear fruit. And what fruit am I talking about? I'm talking about two places where my mind goes. The first is making disciples. You know, at the end of Matthew 28, the last couple of verses, he tells them to go and make disciples of all nations. He says, look, an expectation, the last thing that Jesus said to his disciples, the people he trusted, the people he lived with, the people he dined with, everything that he'd done for three and a half years in ministry, he looks at them and he says, look, it can all be summed up into one thing, it's to go and make disciples. He's expecting them to bear fruit in how they make disciples. And he's also, for me, I can think of the other expectation of bearing fruit is the fruit of the Spirit, right? You know, we used to grow up singing different songs about fruit, so the Spirit. But whenever we think about bearing fruit, these are where my mind goes. 
I ask myself, am I making disciples? Am I making disciples? Where all does this apply? We say make disciples and it sounds great, we'll wear a t-shirt on it, but sometimes we don't know where we're supposed to do it. See, as a family, we're supposed to make disciples at home first, to raise up your kids in the way that they should go, to teach them how to study God's word, to teach them how to pray, to teach them how to grow in their walk. We're supposed to make disciples at home. We're supposed to make disciples at work. Make disciples at work. As Andrew talked about where you're planted, we're supposed to make disciples at work. Jesus has placed you there for a reason. Lastly, we're also supposed to make disciples at church. We're supposed to help and serve alongside other co-laborers to make disciples. Think about this in the circles in which God has planted you. You got kids that play sports. God has placed you around other parents who likely don't know who Jesus is. The invitation is to make disciples. The invitation is to spread his word to bear fruit. When you get put on that PTA team you don't want to be on, there's an invitation to make disciples. There's an invitation to bear fruit. When Jesus places us somewhere, he has an expectation of how we ought to be. He also expects us to produce fruits of the Spirit. Do you show patience to your kids when they're having trouble? Right now, with a two-week-old at home, at 2 a.m., I am learning patience more than I ever thought was possible. Do we show patience to our kids when they're having trouble? Are you joyful to the waitress after church? Are you kind to the janitor at your workplace? Are you gentle in your conversations with your spouse? Do you exhibit self-control when it comes to your thoughts and your words and your actions? When we're expected to bear fruit, these are the things that Jesus has laid out for us in scripture. But see, these are all just checkpoints that we could subconsciously become unaware of, of places where we are called to bear fruit. And oftentimes these things, they reflect outwardly of what's going on inwardly. There's good news of how we can do that. Here in the beginning of John chapter 15, he casts a vision for two types of branches here to his disciples. There's one that does, bear, that does not bear fruit, it's taken away. And there's one that does bear fruit, so it may be pruned. Verse 2 of John 15 says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. See, there's expectations from the beginning. Jesus doesn't give his disciples a, a cryptic message that they can't understand, something that they walk away scratching their heads at. Rather, Jesus is cut and dry, and the message is this, if you don't bear fruit, then you're not connected to Jesus. See, this statement might sound harsh, but it's true. A tree is known by its fruits. I respect people that can look at a tree with no fruits in the wintertime and tell you what it is. I'm not one of those guys. But a tree is known by its fruits. Without seeing visible fruits, it can become difficult to identify what kind of tree it is. 
without the outward expression of the inward change, it, it can become difficult to identify what kind of tree you are. Jesus calls us to abide in him. See, I think this is a reality across this room. Maybe you made a profession of Jesus Christ at a young age, and right now you're just kind of winging it through life. You're just trying to figure it out as you go. Or maybe you're sitting here this morning and you know that you have never trusted in the saving grace of Jesus. See, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus has come to set us free from our sins. We no longer have to live in bondage, yet he looks at us and he invites us to abide. See, if we profess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, our lives should look different. Our lives should look different. The end of verse two, it says, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. If you're connected to the vine, God is going to continue to prune you. Pruning is not a one-time thing. If you garden, you know you prune at different times of the year and you know that you have to prune a tree multiple times throughout its life. But pruning in our spiritual lives is not a one-time thing and we can live however we want. See, God prunes you so that you may bear more fruit. Why? Because bearing fruit is an expectation that Jesus has for his disciples. What is pruning? Pruning is suffering. Pruning oftentimes happens to us during our trials. Why? Because oftentimes in our trials we suffer. We feel the pain, we feel the weight, we feel the severity of decisions we've made or things that have been done to us. Sometimes it even reveals the idols of our hearts. So you think as Jesus is talking here to his disciples, well, who's there? Well, there he has fishermen. There's a tax collector, there's a zealot, there's even a thief. Two of them, that he's telling them that you will be pruned, asked to sit on both sides of his throne. There's one that would cut a man's ear off. The same one would also deny him. And even the one that would betray him is sitting there. Jesus says, look, God is going to prune you. These men all right here, he tells them that God is going to prune you. Why? so they can continue to bear fruit. Jesus expects his disciples to bear fruit. These men spent every day with Jesus in the flesh, but they still had growing to do. They still had growing to do. Now, if we look across this room, as we read this verse, there's a broad mix of ages here. Professions and backgrounds, and different walks of life. Fruit being bore looks different when you're 15, looks different when you're 50, and looks different when you're 75. We're all going to bear different fruits. But as the vine dresser prunes with the thought in mind for each person, each person is going to be able to bear the fruit that God desires. He's going to prune certain things in your life because he wants to see certain things in your life because he created you that way. Because we're not all going to be pruned the same. We don't all have the same strengths. We also all don't have the same weaknesses. But we have the same God who's got a master plan 
as to how our lives should look. Well, how do we bear fruit? We see pruning not as punishment, but as nourishment. Oftentimes in our life, when we're suffering, we think, well, what did I ever do to deserve this? Who did I make mad, right? Who's got a voodoo doll of me? Rather, whenever we're suffering, God is not punishing us. God is nourishing us. He knows where we're at. He's giving us the things that we need. Though we may see it as punishment in the moment because of the pain, God is using it to nourish us so that we may grow. But don't hear me try to convince you to make a bad thing good. Because that could be easy to do. What I want you to hear me say is that our suffering will not be wasted. The things that we go through in our life will not be wasted. Trust in knowing that we have to be pruned. Or in the South, we'd say it like this, we ain't all the way there yet, right? When we know that, we know that God is gonna prune us and he's not doing it to punish us, but God is pruning us to nourish us. Why? Because God is a long range planner. I remember in seminary reading different books and I was reading a management of Christian ministries book. And this is the one thing that I remember more than anything else from any other book I read. As it was in a management book, it was not what I was expecting to read. As it was talking about making plans and, and managing teams and organizational things. It says you should plan well because God plans well. You should be a long-range planner because God is a long-range planner. When it comes to our pruning, when it comes to our suffering, when it comes to our nourishment, God is a long-range planner. He's not just cut it off willy-nilly. Rather, he's got a plan. Jesus then transitions from the thought of pruning to telling his disciples here that they are already clean. Verse three, it says, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Here, most scholars are all pretty much in agreement that he's referring to how they've already been, fruit, been pruned and they're already bearing fruit. But remember, these are Jesus' hand-picked guys. Right? These are the, the top draft picks by Jesus. These are the ones he traded up to get. These are the ones that Jesus wanted to invest in. These are the ones that Jesus wanted around him. These are the guys that Jesus entrusted his mission and his vision to. He's looking at them and says, look, you're already clean. And he's saying to them, I have chose you to share the message of the gospel to the ends of the earth. Remember, they spent three years of life with Jesus where he was actively living with them, co-laboring with them, and showing them how to bear fruit. And Jesus told them, you're still gonna be pruned. You're still gonna feel things in life. Not only as followers of Jesus are we supposed to be pruned, we're supposed to bear fruit. The next expectation that Jesus has for us is that you're expected to bear much fruit. The second point itself may sound redundant, but Jesus places a heavy emphasis on the idea of bearing much fruit. For us to bear much fruit, there has to be a true inward change. 
from just bearing fruit to bearing much fruit, there has to be a true inward change where pruning has taken place, where stretching has happened, where growing is actively happening. Why? Because he wants us to bear much fruit. Verses four and five say this, abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Here Jesus is saying, abide in me. What does abiding mean? It, it means to remain in or to act in accordance with. In, in the Greek, the word abide means minnow. And that was easy to pronounce. I grew up fishing with minnows. I was like, I got that one, right? But the word minnow here is a verb that is present and active. And all that means right there is that it happens in real time. What that means is that abiding is not a Sunday morning action and connection group and worship and then we go home and then we disconnect from the vine. Uh, abiding is a true faith on Thursday night when you're having an argument with your spouse. Abiding is on Monday morning when you're struggling or Saturday night when you have decisions to make of what kind of lifestyle you will live. Abiding means to remain in and to act in accordance with. I think John Piper has summarized abiding well. He puts it like this. It's an hour by hour trusting that he will meet all of your needs, that he will be all of your treasure. It's an hour by hour trusting that he will meet all of your needs, that he will be all of your treasure. Just as Jesus said, he is the living water. He's also said he's the bread of life. And here he says, I am the vine. The consistent theme here is that Jesus wants us to know that he is the true life source. He is where it all is. That he is the one worth abiding in. Whenever we abide well, we begin to bear much the longer that we abide in Jesus, the more time that we've been connected to the vine, the more nutrients we receive from the vine, it's only gonna lead us to bearing much fruit. Failure to abide in the vine cannot help but lead to a failure in fruit bearing. We can't just bear fruit apart from the vine. It means we cannot just wing our spiritual lives and expect godly results. We have to abide in Jesus. That means whenever we approach God and his word, we don't have the option of picking and choosing of what sounds good to us and what makes us feel good about ourselves, rather abiding in him and all of his word and trusting that it is good. Whenever we remain in him or act in accordance with him, we can't help but see a change in who we truly are, right? I think about Peter and John in Acts chapter four and verse 13, after they've been arrested for healing the lame beggar and they're in the, the courtroom and there they found no charge against him. It says they had recognized the boldness of Peter and John, but they saw that they had been with Jesus. These were men that were bearing much fruit in their life. These were men who were living out the gospel daily that Jesus had trusted them with. There they are ex expectingly bearing much fruit fruit. Not once in God's word does Jesus ever ask his followers for a surface level relationship. 
It doesn't say it's fine to do things halfway. Rather, I think the text here has an important lesson that Jesus is trying to teach us. To his disciples in, I think the message applies to us today in 2024. It's that fruit bearing for the disciple is totally dependent on a direct connection to the vine. We start abiding in Jesus whenever we realize that everything comes from him. When we realize this is where life is, this is where nourishment is, this is where growing happens, this is where I find fulfillment, this is where I find my true worth. We will abide whenever we realize that everything comes from him. The end of verse five tells us that apart from him, we can do nothing. I've been learning that part a lot in my life lately. See, I, I think there's a picture of, of Colt that's gonna come up on the screen. I know, I showed you that just in case you zoned out. Um, look, please continue to pray. He looks more like his mom than his dad. Um, he's so cute though. And, and we are like so in awe of the gift that God has given us. But for us, we have to feed him every day and multiple times a day. He's eating like crazy. And we have to change him a lot because he eats a lot, right? As we have to feed him alive, as we have to change him a lot, truly we have to help keep him alive. Because at two weeks old, he cannot do anything. He's totally dependent on mom and dad to make sure he gets everything that he needs. Cole is in complete and utter dependence on Grayson and I. Without us, just by himself, he would not have a fighting chance in this world. Parents in the room, if you're in these days right now, or maybe you can think back to these days when you had newborns. I'm sure you remember that feeling all too well. But let me tell you the lesson that I'm learning. Colt's complete dependence on Grayson and I has taught me a very important spiritual lesson. For me to do anything, I have to abide in the Father. I cannot do this by myself. Some of you have been trying to do it by yourself and you are tired. You are exhausted. You feel like there's nothing left in the tank because you've been doing it all on your own. And Jesus tells us, apart from me, you can do nothing. When I look at my son, I see that he needs me and his mom to do everything right now through the lens of a two week old who is solely dependent on us right now, I'm learning more and more every day that apart from Jesus, I can do nothing. Apart from him and his grace, I am nothing and I can do nothing. See this promise of Jesus that apart from me, you can do nothing. It comes on the heels of the promise of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14, 25 and 26, he says, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Jesus promises disciples that apart from me, you can do nothing. He says, right before that, he says, I'm gonna send you a great helper so that you can accomplish the expectations that I've given you as my disciples. As the father sends him, 
we see another promise. See, this vine is a metaphor sandwiched between the two promises of the Holy Spirit in the book of John. He reminds us to help us abide. He has sent one that will help us bear fruit and to show us that we are not alone. The promise of never being alone is strategically told by Jesus between his two promises of the Holy Spirit coming. In John 16, verse 13, it says this. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And what he will declare to you the things that are to come. See, I don't think it's a coincidence here that Jesus, in his most prominent teachings on the Holy Spirit, he teaches us to abide. He says in that sandwich method, there's one that's gonna help you. And look, remember, there's one that's coming to help you. We are truly never alone. If I'm in a hard stretch of life and I'm not abiding in Jesus daily, I'm miserable. Whenever I try to do things Ryan's way, scripture preaches to me so clearly that apart from Jesus, I am nothing. I cannot do it on my own. The promise of Jesus brings comfort. And it tells me where hope is found. We're expected to bear much fruit. We begin bearing much fruit whenever we immerse ourselves in God's word. We are not going to find God outside of his word. His word is right here, it's living, it's active. It's what he has chosen to give to us to teach us about himself. His word is where we find true connection. It's where we find that we are never alone. Whenever we do this, it leads us to bearing much fruit. Whenever it comes to us bearing much fruit, not only is there a benefit of others seeing fruit being born in our lives, seeing the life of the gospel lived out, but it also glorifies the Father. Verses seven and eight say, if you abide in me and my words, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. This is a genuine concern within our hearts. But we need to ask ourselves periodically, does this glorify the Father? Is where I'm at in my life right now, is this glorifying the Father? If I make this decision, is it going to glorify God? If I take this job at work, is it going to glorify God? If I speak to my spouse in this way, is it going to glorify God? Because that's me bearing fruit in how I treat other people. It's the fruit we are bearing. It's the glorifying to the Father. What exactly brings glory to God? It's whenever we're bearing much fruit. Whenever we are living on mission and making disciples, and whenever we are showcasing the fruits of the Spirit... We aren't just doing this on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights. No, bearing fruit becomes a mindset that we just cannot get rid of. When we abide in Jesus and immerse ourselves in God's word, we begin to bear much fruit. And to ask ourselves, is the fruit that I am bearing glorifying to the Father? The last observation is that you're expected to bear fruit together. One of the most humbling things that we can find in scripture is that God 
chose us and that God chose us for a purpose. The purpose of the call of God is to make disciples and to bear fruit. Verse 16, it tells us this. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Have you ever just sat back and considered that God has appointed us to bear fruit? That God has appointed us to live on mission? Not just any fruit, but the appointment from the Father is set apart for a purpose. He set us apart for a purpose. God's appointment is not about privilege, rather purpose. It's about purpose. See, Paul uses the exact same language in 1 Corinthians 12. Verse 18, it says, but as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. In John chapter 15, Verse 16, appointed is the same here as has placed in the Greek. It's the word tithemi. This brings assurance to the believer to know that not only has God appointed us to go and bear fruit, but he has also placed us in the body for different purposes. You will bear fruit that God prunes you to bear and that glorifies him. That is his expectations for his disciples. This brings Assurance to know that the appointed fruits of a 15-year-old are truly going to look different than a 50-year-old. Maybe you place the expectation on your 15-year-old that they should be bearing the fruits of a 50-year-old. But the fruits that God has appointed for a 15-year-old are not going to be the same as a 50-year-old. He prunes us in a certain way. He nourishes us in a certain way. And he leads us to bear fruits in certain ways. But the beautiful thing here that we see from scripture is that we're all appointed to bear fruits. As the the body of Christ, we are all appointed to bear fruits. As he has placed us, as he has chosen us, he has appointed us to bear fruits. We're also appointed to do so with others, but I want you to know this, just like a branch, we were not created to be self-contained entities. God did not create us to walk in isolation. God did not create us to do life on our own. God did not create us in a way in which we just wing it, figure it out ourselves, pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and figure it out. See, every day on my way here, on driving up Highway 9, to my left, I see the White Oak Vineyard. And you can probably picture it. It's just not too far down the road from here. I drive by there and I look and and I see all the the fence posts out there and I see all the vines and I see all the branches. See, as I see all the roads, I see all the rows of vines, this is what I see. I see several branches per vine. God did not put one branch just on that vine. Rather, God placed multiple branches on that vine to bear fruit. As God's people, he did not create us, design us, or desire for us to bear fruit in isolation. Rather, God created us to abide in him, and he in us, and he's telling us that he did not leave us without a resource to be able to abide. 
Friends, we have the unique invitation to not only abide in Jesus and to bear fruit, but as a church, we have an invitation to do this together. We get to do this together. God has set Iron City apart for a great work. He has set us apart to make disciples. The ones that are already here within the walls and the ones that have never driven past here, the ones who drive past here every single day but have never been in. God has set us apart to make disciples in the places he has planted us. God has also set us apart to bear fruit, to abide in him and to bear fruit. I don't know if you know this, but on any given Sunday morning, it takes about 75 to 100 volunteers to make a Sunday morning run smoothly. 75 to 100 volunteers. This is from preschool to the coffee team. Yeah, we gotta have a coffee team. From the worship team to kids praise, from connection group leaders to the security team, from the student ministry to the greeters. It takes 75 to 100 people to make a Sunday morning run smoothly. We have a fantastic church staff that works hard to plan, to implement strategies and to set our volunteers up for success. But if we did not have the help of fruit bearers of people within this church, we would not be able to get anything done. So there's just a, a handful of us we are so grateful for the fruit bearers of the life of our church. There's so many who are truly making disciples and bearing fruit. As God has assigned and appointed different gifts to different people, he has designed us all to bear fruit. Remember, as branches, God is going to continue to prune us. He's not done with pruning you. And pruning is not punishment, it's nourishment. Why does God do that to us? Because God loves us. Because God loves us, he loves us enough to save us, but he also loves us enough not to leave us where we're at, right? As he loves us enough to save us, he loves us enough not to leave us where we're at. Why? Because he's got a long range plan in mind for you to prune you so that you may grow. Why? So you may bear much fruit, so that you may make disciples and exhibit the fruits of the Spirit. As I was talking with Cody about this message, he told me they did a study a couple years ago and about 60% of the church here felt connected, connected to the church. The same survey said there's about 60% of the people that we're actively serving within the church. I think there's a direct correlation to our connection with other co-laborers, to the Father and friends within our church whenever we invest our lives into something. Serving within the church helps us feel connected to Jesus, especially when we're serving together and we're abiding in the Father and bearing fruit. My challenge to you is to, pl to place your yes on the table. 
before God even asked, say, God, look, my answer is yes. Whatever you lead me to do, yes. Wherever you want me to go, yes. Whoever you want me to talk to, yes. However I can help, yes. I don't think we have to ask God, is it okay for me to bear fruit? Is it okay for me to make disciples? I think his word lays it out pretty clearly for us. See, our staff has, has recognized that we've not made it the easiest for our, our church body to jump in and to serve into different places. This is something that we're working on currently and we're working hard why? Because we want to see the life of our church bearing fruit. We want to see the life of our church making disciples. We want to see the life of our church abiding in the vine. We want to see the life of our church flourishing. See, the only place that will ever truly flourish is connected to the vine. The only place we can ever bear fruit is in the vine. The branch cannot bear fruit by itself, neither can we. I think there's people across this room this morning who've been trying to do it on their own. They know that life is hard. As we've been walking through this series of never alone, you're like, Ryan, I feel alone. I feel like nobody hears me, nobody cares for me, nobody sees me, nobody loves me. Let me tell you, Jesus loves you. He loves you so much that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. In the middle of our sin, 2,000 years ago, Jesus looked forward with a long-range plan and knew your name. He knew you. He knew what you would struggle with. He knows what your past is. He knows what your future is. Yet, he said he or she is worth dying for. As we have the invitation this morning. I want you to know this. If you feel like your branch not connected to the vine, I want to give you a chance to talk to someone, our church staff or one of our elders, so that you may know where true life is found. True life is found in the saving power of Jesus. As true life is found only in the vine. As you've probably looked for true life in other places probably seeing there's no nourishment. Pray with me this morning. Jesus. Thank you for watching or listening to one of our sermons. We would love to have the opportunity to connect with you one-on-one. We are not a perfect church, but we are a joyful church, and we want to help you increase your joy in Christ. We would love for you to come and worship with us one day soon. You'll be able to find information about our worship services, about who we are, what we believe, what we do, what we're hoping to accomplish on our website at ironcity.org. And we would invite you to go and to check out all the information there. We look forward to seeing you soon.